Welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Andre from Mental Health. I'm taking ISTSS Beyond the Room this year. I'm here with Lucy Berliner. She's the director of the Harborview Centre for Sexual Assault and Traumatic Stress in Seattle. Hi, Lucy. How are you doing? Hello. You enjoying the conference so far? It's just getting going. Well, right now I'm trying to get my PowerPoints organized okay. for our presentation on yeah. the guidelines. Yeah. So tell us about that session, first of all. You're presenting the new ISTSS child and adolescent guidance for prevention and treatment of PTSD. Exactly. So for the last couple of years, under the guidance of Jonathan Bisson, Professor Jonathan Bisson, we've been going through a process of scientific review and developing guidelines for the community and uh, practice community and then those are going to be end up reflected in a book that hopefully will take it to the level of application on various levels not just in terms of a list of recommendations. So tell us a bit about PTSD in young people maybe for people who aren't too familiar so you know what how big a problem is this? Well, the child side of things is um, not really dissimilar from the adult side, except we tend to approach um, uh, the impact of trauma in children a little bit different way. We're not so focused narrowly on, or specifically, not narrowly, but specifically on PTSD. And we've tried to bring that to the guidelines process and the book that we look at kids in context with their families and at their developmental stage. So we're we generally are broader in the sense of how we would see the impact of trauma on children because they're, in a, they're still in the stage of development, so it's playing itself out in a variety of ways, not just in terms of PTSD. And trauma, I guess, could be all kinds of things. It could be abuse, it could be violence, it could be um, living in a war zone, it could be being a refugee. Well, what constitutes trauma from the event perspective is, a, is an event that um, has a threat-related aspect to it. So that's no different for kids than it is for adults. But obviously some traumas are more developmentally related, like child maltreatment. And child maltreatment is a big deal because it's a big risk factor for problems later on. But the actual events themselves, with the exception of child maltreatment, which by definition only happens to children, the, the events that qualify are the same as for adults. Okay. So tell us a bit about the guidance. Tell us a bit about, first of all, the evidence for preventing PTSD in young people. Um, well, we have a smaller body of rigorous scientific literature on in the PTSD area. We have tons and tons in the more broad area of child maltreatment and that, uh, that sort of thing. Um, but because we haven't focused just primarily on PTSD, because we look at um, other kinds of outcomes like depression or behavior problems or that, that sort of thing. Um, so we are not as big in terms of rigorous randomized trials, which were the only types of studies that were considered in the scientific review. So we just made decisions about being going to the highest level of evidence, not as a way of discounting uh, studies that have less, but rather to just have a standard and then go from there. But so children have quite a bit less um, of the randomized trial 
type of studies or studies that just focus on PTSD as the primary outcome. So we have a smaller scientific body of knowledge. And in terms of prevention, you're asking about prevention or early intervention, we really had really no um, programs that had high levels of scientific evidence. Now they're tough to do um, because with kids you've got complications for doing studies. You have to get, you can't just ask kids by themselves, you have to get their assent, but we also have to have their parents' agreement, you have to find them, you have to uh, have a method of getting to them before you can study them. So it's a little bit more of a, a complication to d generate the very uh, high, highly rigorous uh, body of knowledge. For prevention, meaning population-based approaches, which we all would like to have, like especially for situations that are known. So a lot of trauma in children is child maltreatment, that's happening in the ha family. It's a little bit harder to um, prevent the development of a problem because you don't even know that they're having the trauma. So you are sort of limited to public traumas for prevention um, other than broad social responses <laughs> to lower the rates of child maltreatment. So you're going to find what little evidence we have on prevention of PTSD in studies of disasters or kids in hospitals where they can be identified. Um, and so it's, it's much more limited and we're gonna have to work pretty hard to, to get more evidence of what can you do for a, the group of people or individuals who are exposed to a trauma but have not, don't yet have anything that you can detect. And then the early intervention, that's um, another little bit of a complication on the child side because for the purposes of this review, we set the scoping question to be um, within three months of the trauma, but you don't always know with children because a lot of kids are not coming forward right away. You don't know that it, it's happened to them. And a lot of the studies, well, the studies can only be done once they're coming forward but it's not always easy to tell. Like a child might have, might come to somebody's attention or participate in research, but the trauma might have come out within three months, but it might not have happened for one, two, three years in the past. So anyway, just to make the point that we, it's a little bit harder to pull off doing the research with kids. Now on the treatment side, where now you have people who've developed PTSD, kids who develop PTSD. We have, a, we have a pretty good collection of good studies and we were very happy that the scientific reviews found that, that we have several families of treatment approaches that we were able to give a strong recommendation to for. Um, CBTs that are trauma-focused that are either mainly kid-focused or parent and child focused. Um, so, and EMDR as well, so three different groups. Um, and we are very pleased about that because that means we have the possibility of offering families choice in the type or focus of the treatment. So we're not just with one thing. Um, so uh, 
so that was our, some, I, I would say, pretty good news. Um, the news at this point is not as strong for other types of approaches that we think we want to have or eventually get support for, like group-based programs or school-based programs, because not everybody is going to seek services or access them in, you know, by going into a counselor's office. Sometimes we deliver behavioral health services in other settings. And, and the, now we're into the more promising or emerging evidence category as opposed to the strong evidence. Mm. So before we do that, let's, let's just think about what the difference is between how we currently treat children and young people who present with PTSD and what the evidence says, what you presented there. So are we currently treating young people with trauma-focused CBT, with uh, EMDR, well, very, or other, other interventions? Well, very few kids are presenting with PTSD. They present with some kind of distress or behavioral health problem. And it turns out that a lot of kids are missed. They might appear in clinical settings, counseling offices, but it's not really known that what they have might be PTSD because unless you screen them to find out if they have been exposed to a trauma, you wouldn't really know. And so that's one of the things that has really been important in our field is to try to promote the idea of routine screening for trauma exposure. You're not, you can't find out if they have PTSD if you don't know whether they've been exposed to a traumatic event. So let me rephrase the question. When children and young people are diagnosed with PTSD, screened and diagnosed, how are we currently treating them? Well, um, I, well, that's a good question. How are we really treating them? We have treatments that have been shown to be effective, and trauma-focused CBT is one of those treatments. Um, but uh, it's not as widely available as we'd hope it would be. I mean, people have to know to get trained in it. They have to get the support to get the training. Um, so one of the things that we're going to, we hope to communicate in this, uh, in the book mainly, is that among the families of treatments that have been shown to have strong evidence, if across them, they all have certain common elements. You know, there are certain things that are in all these CBTs that are trauma-focused. Psychoeducation, coping skills, imaginal or in vivo exposure, cognitive processing, and we're going to hope that at least if you don't have the training in a formal type of program, people will become familiar with the idea that these are the elements of effective treatments for PTSD, so we can expand the reach of our knowledge, even if not everyone has access to training in a identified brand name program. What about medication? You haven't mentioned medication yet. Well, there's a good reason I haven't mentioned medication. We, we really have no evidence for it being beneficial. Uh, there's some m more uh, evidence with adults, but we really don't have anything at all with, with kids. And is it used to treat young people? Well, you know, people sometimes use medications because they want to be able to do something. and. My guess is when it's used, it's most likely going to be antidepressants, which probably aren't going to hurt people if, you know, it, even if the benefits might be quite modest. 
I think on the adult side, it's a little bit more established that a combination of a psychosocial and a medicine might be beneficial. With kids, there's not really much evidence for that at all. Yeah, so we're kind of skirting around the issue a lot, maybe because I'm jet-lagged and I'm asking the questions wrong, but I think usually there's a kind of there's a gap between what we do in practice yes. and what the evidence tells us yes. and usually that's a big gap you know like a 10-year gap or a 15-year gap is that the case do you think in this area or do you think actually we are doing what the evidence is showing us generally well i would say that it's maybe it's not a close if you get, if you're talking about our is every child who has ptsd getting a formal course of a proven brand name studied um, treatment. I don't think that, I think the gap is broad for that. Um, are we a little bit closer in the gen routine settings to where people are getting the idea that you should screen kids if you want to learn about trauma and that if that the treatments that are most likely to be helpful need to be trauma focused. I think that is way more Common than it was 10, 20 years ago. So, yeah, we're a long way off from everybody delivering a structured, standardized treatment. But I would say usual care is a lot closer than it used to be. Because as compared to um, evidence-based treatments for other childhood disorders, I think the gap is wider. In trauma, I think people get, they're interested in trauma, they care about kids being affected by trauma. And they generally know, just like the patients do, that the cure is going to be facing up. Even if they are reluctant or avoidant or apprehensive about doing it, I think both the patients and the providers know that. It's a matter of doing it, but, it, but for when you think about depression and anxiety, uh, behavior problems, the other more, most common disorders in kids, I would say the evidence-based approaches, are, there's a wider gap. Hmm. So what excites so That might be a little bit of a novel perception on it, but I work uh, a lot with general providers in uh, public mental health settings. That's one of the things we do, is to train people in public mental health and in four different evidence-based interventions for common childhood disorders. And trauma is the one people are most interested in uh, TFCBT, and the most, they're, they're the most open to adopting a more evidence-based approach. What excites you most about new interventions for this population, for young people that have experienced trauma? Well, I think, I think the most important thing for a kid who has experienced trauma is to have somebody acknowledge it, believe it, listen to them, validate, and normalize. I think that goes almost as far as a formal treatment because that is not typically what would happen for a child. That's why they don't tell us about it because they don't know what the response will be because so many of the traumas that kids have are interpersonal or in the family. I mean, everyone knows if there's an earthquake or a public disaster but most of the more, and the ones that are most likely to lead to PTSD are things like sexual assault, um, child abuse, uh, domestic violence exposure, and those are very hard to tell about. So I do think we've made an enormous amount of headway on people recognizing it happens, 
being willing to hear it when it comes our way. And I think that's incredibly beneficial for all trauma survivors <laughs> to be heard. And if there's practitioners listening, if there's people who work in child and adolescent mental health services, if there's GPs, if there's teachers listening um, who are unsure about how to work with young people um, who may have experience of trauma, what, what advice would you give them? Well, listen and validate. I mean, I think it goes just an enormous way with kids that an adult is, uh, has heard of trauma, is interested in it, and can handle hearing about it. And I think, we, I think we've gone quite a ways on that. Um, whether people are doing the best job of things like exposure or processing, well, that's a little bit more of a technical thing. But I think for kids, the very first and most important thing is to be heard and validated. Mm -hmm.